On the second day of Christmas, my true love sent to me two turtle doves. Once there was an old woman who would go out into the woods and gather nuts. All the nuts that she gathered she placed in an earthenware pot. One day, though, as she was walking home, her pot full of nuts, a horse came galloping by. The horse was being ridden by the king's youngest son, who had finally been given leave by his father to go out into the world and have adventures. The young man was so excited by his newfound freedom that he did not see the old woman in the road. She had to jump to avoid the hooves of the horse, and her pot fell to the ground. The nuts were scattered, and the pot was broken. The prince, though, did not notice, did not slow, did not stop, and did not apologise. The old woman shouted after him, shouting every curse and bad word she could think of, and the last curse she uttered was, May you fall in love with an ogre's daughter. And sometimes, when things are said out loud, they start other things happening. The king's son had been riding fast, and taking no notice of the way he went, and he soon found himself lost. But as it was growing dark, he saw a light ahead, and the light led him to a huge house carved into the rock of the mountain. The door was opened by a beautiful young woman. When he looked at her, he fell madly in love. He tried to speak to her, but he was so nervous he was tongue-tied, and as he was untying his tongue, her father came up behind her. Her father was, as of course you can guess, an ogre. Who is this coming to my house at night? What a lucky chance it is. It is almost dinner time, and here supper has arrived at our door. The ogre's daughter, though, turned to him and said, Please, father, don't eat him. Perhaps he may be of some use to you. Were you not just saying the other day that you needed a servant? The ogre scratched his chin. He was not quite as young as he had once been, and it would be useful to have another pair of hands around the place. All right, he said. I will not eat him. Yet. Tomorrow I shall put him to work. If he works hard, he may stay. But if he is lazy, I shall eat him. The ogre's daughter kissed her father on his ugly cheek and then took the prince to the room where he was to sleep that night. In the morning, the ogre came to put him to work. Today you are to clean out my stable. I must go and tend to my goats and my sheep. If the stable is not clean when I return, I shall eat you. And so the ogre left. The prince thought it could not be too difficult to clean out a stable. He went down and found the ogre's stable was filthy. There were twenty horses there, but there was smell enough for fifty. The prince's son grabbed a shovel and began to muck at the stable. But every time that he shoveled out one load of dirt, it seemed that ten more landed in its place. Before long, there was hardly room on the floor for him to stand. He went outside the stable, sat down and began to weep. He could never get it clean, and when the ogre returned, he would eat him. The ogre's daughter had been busy in the kitchen. She now came out with a tray with a glass of milk and a bowl of porridge to give to the king's son. She found him sitting on the ground weeping. Why are you crying? she asked. Oh, I am crying because the task your father has set me is impossible. Every time I try to shovel out the dirt from the stable, more just appears in its place. The ogre's daughter put her head on one side and said, Show me how you have been shoveling out the dirt. The king's son picked up his shovel 
and showed her how he had been doing it. The ogre's daughter laughed. Oh, that's not the way. That is a magic spade. You have to turn it the other way. If you use it with the handle end down, the dirt will be gone in no time. The king's son didn't see how this could possibly work, but he turned the shovel upside down, and soon it seemed almost as if the dirt was flying out of the stable on its own accord. The stable was clean before morning was half over, and the king's son and the ogre's daughter had the entire day together, before, in the evening, the ogre returned home. Daughter, boil a large cauldron of water. I shall sharpen my knife and chop that boy into pieces for you to cook. But father, said the ogre's daughter, you said you would only kill him and eat him if he was lazy. Why don't you go and check on his work? The ogre thought there was no way that the king's son could have cleared out the stable, and so when he went there, he was astonished to find that the stable was so clean he could have eaten his dinner off the floor. Sadly, though, he would not be having the king's son for his dinner, at least not that evening. The next day, though, he thought he had a task that the young man would never be able to complete. Today you are to fetch my cows from where they are grazing on the mountainside, said the ogre. I must go and tend to my goats and my sheep. I shall be gone all day. If the cows are not here when I return, I shall eat you for my dinner. And so saying, the ogre left. The prince's son suspected that there was more to this task than the ogre had told him, and so he went and found the ogre's daughter. When she heard what he was to do, she said, Oh, it is an easy thing to do, if you know the right way. These are no ordinary cows, for they spit and belch flames. But if you go into the stable and take the bridles you find there and toss the bit directly into their mouth, they will come with you docile as lambs. The king's son wondered, in a land where cows spit fire, exactly how docile a lamb might be. But he trusted the ogre's daughter, took the bridles from the stable and went to find the cows. The cows did indeed spit and belch flames but he tossed the bit of the bridle into each of their mouths, and they did indeed follow him as happily as ducklings waddling after their mother. When the ogre returned that evening, he called out to his daughter, Daughter, get the big pot and fill it with water. I shall sharpen my knives to chop up the king's son. But the ogre's daughter reminded him that he had said he would only kill the king's son if he could not complete his work. She pointed out the window, where there was a field of cows happily grazing and belching the occasional flame. That night they dined on beef, but the ogre kept thinking about how much more tender and sweeter would be the flesh of the king's son. On the third day he went again to the king's son and said, Today I shall send you to collect my taxes. If you have not collected them by the time I return from tending to my goats and my sheep, I will eat you. The ogre was no sooner gone than the king's son ran to the ogre's daughter and asked her how he was to collect her father's taxes. Oh, that's quite easy. I do it often myself. First, you must take this club. Go around to the other side of the mountain and knock three times. The fire dwarf who dwells underneath the mountain will open it for you. But you must be careful not to stare or to ask him any rude questions. If he becomes angry, he will burst into flame and burn you up with him. When he asks you how much you will take, 
you must say you will only take what you can carry. The king's son thanked the ogre's daughter and went to do as she said. He went round to the other side of the mountain and knocked three times. He waited and then began to wonder if perhaps he was at the wrong spot, for there was no door and he could not possibly see how the mountain was to open. Just as he was about to knock again, he heard a rumbling and a hissing and a rushing and a cloud of steam shot up out of the earth. The king's son was about to run away, but then he heard a voice calling out, Yes? What is it? He looked down into the crack where the steam had come from and saw a flickering face, a small face, a face sharp and pointed, but flickering like a flame. He suspected that this must be the fire dwarf, and he tried to compose his features so he would not look like he was staring. I have come from the ogre to collect his taxes, said the king's son. How much will you take? said the fire dwarf. I will take only as much as I can carry, said the king's son. That is good, said the fire dwarf, for if you had said that you would take all that is due, you should have been buried alive under the gold and silver. The fire dwarf then began to toss out gold and silver and pieces of precious gems until the king's son's arms were full and he called out that he could carry no more. He carried these treasures back to the ogre's house where the ogre's daughter was waiting for him. We must leave now. It will not take my father long to discover I am the one who have been helping you and then he shall eat you and I shall be quite sad at the loss of you. I have been planning to run away for some time. Will you come with me? The king's son fell to his knees before the ogre's daughter, saying that yes, yes, of course he would run away with her. He would travel to the ends of the earth and back. He would go anywhere, brave any danger. But would she please marry him? The ogre's daughter put her head on one side, thought about it for a moment and said, Yes, yes, I think I will marry you. And the two set off. When the ogre returned that evening, he found his house was dark and the fire had gone out. He called out for his daughter, but there was no answer. He called out for the king's son, but there was no answer still. The ogre stamped his feet and roared. He shouted out to the heavens and he shouted down to the hells. He called his daughter every ungrateful name he could think of, but the last curse he saved for the king's son. The moment... You are kissed by lips that are not my daughter's. May you forget all about her. And when things are said aloud, they sometimes set other things in motion. The king's son and the ogre's daughter rode together on his horse. The prince's son was not entirely certain which was the way back to his father's castle, so it took them far longer than it should have. By the time he recognised the landmarks and knew that he was in his own country, they were both very worn and travel-stained. I cannot present you to my parents like this, he said. Wait here. I shall send a fine carriage to carry you. I will send a beautiful dress for you to wear, jewels to put in your hair, and golden slippers to put on your feet. They shall think you a princess from a magical land, and they shall fall in love with you almost as deeply as I am in love with you myself. The ogre's daughter agreed that it would be best to try to make a good first impression. Her future in-laws might already be slightly biased against her, given her parentage. And so she kissed him goodbye and bade him come back soon. The king's son arrived at the castle alone, and when they saw him, 
His parents and other brothers and sisters all rushed out to greet him, for he had been gone such a long time that they all thought he must be dead. Before he could speak a word, his mother grabbed him in her arms and kissed both his cheeks. And as soon as she kissed his cheeks, the prince forgot all about the ogre's daughter. He forgot how she had helped him. He forgot that he was meant to return and bring her back in style to the palace. In fact, he forgot everything that had happened over the last few days, all of his adventure, which proved very disappointing to his brothers and sisters when they asked him to regale them with tales of his travels. The ogre's daughter waited where the king's son had left her. She waited and waited and waited. As she waited, a terrible feeling began to grow inside her that the prince had forgotten her. She waited until she was too hungry to wait any longer and then set out to find the prince and to find something to eat. She travelled slowly in the direction of the palace, begging and bartering as she went along the way. As she travelled, she picked up news and gossip. She heard that the king's youngest son had arrived at the palace after an absence of many days, but he could not seem to remember where he had been. She heard that all of the palace had rejoiced at his return. She heard that his parents had arranged a marriage between the prince and the princess of a neighbouring kingdom. She heard that within a week there was to be a grand ball to celebrate the betrothal. The ogre's daughter then knew she must make the prince remember her. And so she continued to travel, but now she travelled with a plan. At the next town she arrived at, she sold her long, dark hair. At the town she arrived at next, she used the money from her sold hair to buy a boy's suit of clothes. She travelled directly to the palace, but before she went, she bought a bird, a dove, from a trader, and carried it with her as she knocked on the palace door and asked if there happened to be any jobs going in the kitchen. There was always plenty of work to be done in the palace kitchen, and with a grand ball to be held, celebrating the engagement of the king's youngest son, there was even more work than usual to be done. The ogre's daughter, now a kitchen boy, was set to work making pastries. She proved to have the natural talent for it, to be able to make crisp and crumb, and in less than a week she was set to work making one of the grand pies that was to be served at the engagement ball. This was no ordinary pie, for it had no filling. Instead, once the crust was baked, a dozen songbirds would be placed inside it, and when it was cut open, the birds would fly about the room, serenading all who beheld them. It really was dinner and a show. The ogre's daughter, now a kitchen boy, made beautiful little flowers out of pastry, cut out delicate leaves, but as the twelve songbirds were being prepared to be placed within the pie, she went and got the dove that she had bought before entering the palace. She kissed the dove on its little head and whispered to it, whispered to it a magical spell, and then slipped it in with all the other songbirds beneath the pastry crust. Upstairs, the ball was in full swing. There had been dancing and cavorting and cheering, and now all were seated at the grand banquet. The great pie was brought in, the centrepiece, and all gasped in amazement at the delicacy and the beautiful aroma that came from it. The king himself picked up a ceremonial knife and cut the crust. When he cut the crust, the birds inside flew up into the air, singing to all the ladies and gentlemen gathered below them. All but the dove. The dove, after ruffling its feathers to dislodge a few crumbs and flakes of pastry, 
hopped onto the table and hopped up and down, peering at each of the king's sons and daughters. Before each son or daughter, the bird would stop and turn its head this way and that to make sure it saw them with both eyes which were placed on either side of its head. And then it would seem to give a shrug and hop on to the next. This continued until it came to the king's youngest son. The bird looked at the prince with one eye and then the other and then hopped forward and pecked him on the lips. Everyone cried out at this, but none cried out quite as loudly as the king's son. For as the bird had pecked him, the spell had travelled from the ogre's daughter through the bird into him, and all of his memories came rushing back. He leapt up onto his chair and called, Stop! Stop! I cannot go through with this betrothal. My heart belongs to another. How could I possibly have forgotten about her? I am in love with the ogre's daughter, and if she will take my hand, I will be her husband. This caused even more shouting from the courtiers. Already engaged? An ogre's daughter? The queen called for silence, and everyone always obeyed the queen. She then asked her son to repeat his story, and repeat it slowly and calmly, so that all might hear. The prince did as his mother asked, and when he had finished... All were nodding their heads. Indeed, the betrothal could not go forward. He was already spoken for. But where was the ogre's daughter? One of the princesses called out that perhaps she had transformed herself into the dove, the dove that had been hidden in the pie and had returned to the prince's memories. They must find the dove! They then started a huge scramble, everyone searching high and low for the dove, the search spilled out from the banquet hall, into the corridors of the castle, out into the streets, and even down into the kitchen. When the ogre's daughter heard this, she started to laugh. What a conclusion for everyone to have jumped to. But really, it made about as much sense as many other things in the world. The king's youngest son, though, heard the laugh coming from down in the kitchens. He ran down the stairs and found there, sitting by the fire, the ogre's daughter, Yes, her hair was short, and she was dressed in boys' clothes, but he recognised her and remembered her, and the two, well, they lived happily ever after.